decided to make this intro fairly short, sweet, and simple by pointing out two things that will be further explained and expounded on as we go into this really great interview that I was lucky enough to conduct with T.J. Behe about his book, Contraband. The first is, he originally wrote this book in 2008, and all of the things included in it are still extremely relevant. Second, when it comes to TJ, all I can say is he has once again proven me correct that I should simply have the episode recording before we even start talking because he's yet another example of all those great stories I wish I would have captured immediately by having that record button pressed. Without any further delay, let us move now into my really great conversation for episode here, number 94 of Storytelling with Seth, with TJ Behe about contraband. You do you, and I'm hitting record because if you tell any more gems like that, just right off the cuff, I'm going to be severely annoyed at myself for not trying to oh, capture it. I'm going to, I've got lots of, I've got lots of, I, I can honestly guarantee that, and you, you know, again, we might all record this, but, um, I will probably be maybe not the most interesting guest, but I don't think you're probably going to have a comics guy who are, is quite the same as my background. So it's, uh, it's different. It's just a bit weird, man. But anyway, you know, a- I feel <laughs> have to see, man, you know, that's it. <laughs> so rewind just for a second before I hear yeah. record. How long ago was that, that you had that conversation with comics? Yeah. So, um, well, this is the thing, man. So like, uh, th- this is like 2008, and it was, um, oh yeah, 2008. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know whether this is something, yeah, you're, I, I feel like I'm going to be really candid on this because, you know, again, it's like people listen to it and it, I don't think I'm going to say anything, but um, I, I wrote this graphic novel uh, 15 years ago and, and it came and, uh, and it was kind of a, an idea I had and I'll talk more about it in there but I, it, it's it's an it's been around for a while and, and a company called Slave Labor Graphics published it really yeah yeah SLG yeah so they published it and then what happened is uh I got a really good illustrator who knew the guy who's the publisher and he really liked the story so for an, a comics writer to come out of nowhere and get a publishing deal was like fucking ridiculous right and the reality yeah. is because they he liked Phil's artwork so I, I rewrote the thing about 15 times because I did creative writing and I'll, I'll give you my background in the interview a bit more. But um, the, what came out was something that was quite cool because it would hit when there was lots of people, mobile phones and it was starting, people were filming people beating the shit out of people and posting it on the internet and called happy slapping. It honestly, I, I kind of just, my book came out exactly when that was hitting the news. It was almost like, yeah, it's almost like, you know, council culture. If you time that perfectly, you're going to be everywhere, right? And I'd hit right. it. So I had all these interviews, like, uh, and reviews from Financial Times, and The Wired was calling me, and everybody was like, what's this, who's this guy? What's this shit he's got? And I, I wasn't ready for it, and I had a kid. Like, I had my kid came out, right? And I don't know if you've got any kids, man, but fuck, man, they just, they just completely dominate your life. So I went from having an interview interviews a few interviews and then the comic came out and then i was like i fucking vanished into cyberspace right so it was like that's it you get in the bunker you can't do anything so um last year uh, i had a chat uh, with some some guy some comic show or whatever and he was saying you know i remember your book and, and and he started he said what is it and and it's just again it's like 
all this Trumpism shit coming on and everything. It was like, it kind of hit. And I thought, well, maybe I'll dust this thing off and see what kind of, what kind of legs this thing has again, you know, and, okay. uh, and do all the things I would love to do now that my kid's like 12. <laughs> and so, and so basically, um, I, I had a chat with a few people and, and Marcosia picked it up and they went, Oh fuck, I love this. And they read it and they were like, this is so timely. This is like dead on because of social media is now because before then social media hadn't grown. And I kind of vision this world where things were going to kind of go fucking crazy. And before, you know, uh, social media, and then all of a sudden Facebook just kind of erupted and then, you know, and it just went, it went absolutely bananas. And then now it's, we're coming on the other side of it, which is censorship and spamming, all that kind of shit. And I've got this dark web application. It's like, everybody's going to go on the dark web. Of course, man, you got to get away from social media to spy on you all that. And then you're like, yeah, well, this book I read is like that. I was like, oh, well, so I dusted it all off out of, out of, out of the, out of the, out of the dollar bin it comes. And uh, here I am pimping it to Seth there in, uh, on a Friday night with a beard in my hand, you know, good times, happy days. <laughs> What a cycle you went through, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, it's dominated, you know, by, by, by little kids. Right. I got two now. So they're great, man. They're awesome. But man, they, they, they just, yeah, yeah. Get, get what you want to get done in your life first, man. I can tell you. And then, and then do that. So. All right. We'll see if she knocks it off for that. So right before oh. about an hour and a half, two hours ago, uh, they started going nuts because we've got some turkey vultures that live at Warden right near like a bird sanctuary and a wildlife oh, wow, sanctuary. Really? Yeah, it's like yeah. right on the borders of the complex where we live. And oh, one of them was on the fence. And my pit bull, like, you know, saw meat, <laughs> saw, you know, a target. And then it ended up on the neighbor's roof and then on our roof. And now she's just like fried brain like you can just see it in her eyes she's just like where's the next attack coming from when do i hunt and i'm just waiting for her to chill so yeah she just decided to get a little hot there but (laughs) so those are my i don't have uh, big those those are those vultures are not small my friend that's uh no yeah he's uh he's just sort of like (laughs) or she is just sort of like hopping around bunking around like i'm just sort of like are you lost is it just such a nice day and you're kind of confused? Like somebody with the day off, they didn't expect. And you're just kind of like, I don't know. I'm just sort of, you know, you can't really, you know, get with that. Wow. But at, at the same time, if I was savvy, I would turn it into a whole social media story right now. And that would have been the reason I, I couldn't hop on, which is what you're tapping into. And I love the fact that, that your story starts out in, it starts out in 2008. How much of, you know, just to give a frame of reference, how much of what's from the original is making up what's in this newer version how much yeah, it's been no. extrapolated to sort of touch on the fact that from 2008 to now look at the, what the technology has done just in yeah. 12 years i mean yeah. you know i mean the, the world changed immensely when iphones suddenly became affordable when yeah you know, yeah you're right man you know you're dead right we're competing yeah that's exactly you, you hit it on you hit it no you hit it dead on man because um i actually started scraping some stuff together some ideas on the story around sort of 2005 and i was actually working at a mobile operator like you know your, your sort of t-mobile or 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 you know one of those places and uh i'm kind of going to get a little bit into you know kind of my background and, and how much of a corporate wonk i really am actually as a matter of fact but um what it is is i was responsible for moderating the content so Back then, you'd get you'd get people who could supply content. You get like content providers, like we had MTV on the platform, and we had we had stuff like Playboy on the platform, and all sorts of sort of mismatch of different content that you could sell a premium because 
you know, it wasn't as circulating around social as much. But then, of course, we had the customer, the community generated content, which would come in. And honestly, I, I within within a week, we had death clips, we had animal cruelty, we had upskirting, we had all of the stuff that that Facebook and every single other social media platform bans. I mean, within a week, I was seeing stuff that I'd never seen. Like I just couldn't believe it because you know, mates might send you a bit of spam and a little bit of jokes and stuff. And you, they would show up in your work email and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to get the sack if you keep sending me this. Right. But that was about it. I mean, there was some real serious stuff and we weren't even chart. Like we weren't even like, like you subscribe this service, but we weren't even paying on a revenue share. Right. I mean, we'd give them MTV, those guys a revenue share, but if you sent me some crazy stuff with uh, this pit bull running down crazy through a bird sanctuary, and he's just shredding the shit out of like a, like a, like a Turkey vulture, you know, and you'd be like, Oh man, this is really good. I, I should get 50% revenue share on that. And we wouldn't even do that, but still, People were bombarding us with this crap. And it was like, it's almost like they were looking for a location for this to kind of show up in. And so when I was in there, I thought, hold on, what, what if somebody decided to say, oh, I, I'm going to pay you for this. I'm going to give you 50%. So anything you give me, I'll share you, I'll share the revenues with you. And let's see what happens. And the whole story is based upon people doing what people will do, which is, well, if I'm going to give it to you for free, I'm actually going to go out of my way and I'm going to incite, I'm going to create, I'm going to do some bad things to get that content so that I can get paid for it. And the whole concept is Tucker goes, I know that's going to happen. And so he throws out the platform. It's all dark underground and, and people just start, you know, you start seeing incidents that start spreading from the digital sort of dark website to pops up in parks, pops up into uh, a- activist uh, riots. It pops up, pops up in, in society. And so, the idea around that was really based on one simple thing, which was money. It's like a revenue share. You start with that and then it all drives. And that's how social works, doesn't it? So, yeah, so it, it, it was it was really cool in a sense. Going back to your other question about saying how much how much technology is relevant. Well, I had a look at it and I thought, you know what? Yeah, how, many, how much do I have to change? Do I clear out pages? Do I got to get rid of certain sort of words? And there's terms like MMS were used before. I don't know if you remember that, but you know, instead of a, a, a sort of a meme, for example, um, or, you know, using like video mobile, people like, don't you? It's just, just kind of part and parcel and stuff. I, I didn't clear out any pages. I, I changed a few words. I put lots more swear words in it. You know, uh, maybe that I put lots of cursing uh, and, you know, it seemed to it seemed to kind of match up nicely. And I thought, you know, uh, just push it out. Right. But what I did, I do. I do find is that, you know, there's lots of dialogue. There's lots of words that are being said in it. Seth, and there's, you know, all these characters go off on these sort of, you know, they're almost on a soapbox pontificating and, you know, choosing to express themselves, maybe a little bit like social media, you know, they want to have to be the old big exposed. Yeah. I wonder if that's all of it. Um, and uh, before, it, you know, even 15 years ago, people was like, Oh God, is he on again? Is he do, is he, is he, what's he ta- What's he rabbiting on again? Whereas now it's like, you know, you've got all these shows and people just get it so fast and furious that I think maybe I've, maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe people are a little bit more accepting to have, uh, to have all these sort of random stream of consciousness that are going on. So anyway, that was a bit of a long winded uh, version of my answer. I better have a sip of my beer right now. Sorry. <laughs> no problem. I keep a coffee and a water handy because, you know, it's good for just taking a break. Um, 
I think what really sticks with me the most is the idea that you're suggesting here. And I think for anybody who's watching, listening, it's not like I did a formal intro right now. It's not like I told every, I'm going to record something where I intro every episode and, and it'll sort of say some stuff like that. But for anybody like, and it's, it's really going to sort of say, Hey, look, you know, I'm just here to tell you what this episode's about. I'm not going to tell them your bio and things like that. So anybody watching right now is like, okay, I've been on for, I don't know how long. And I don't know who this guy is. Like, who is this guy that he's even talking to, which is going to be awesome because when you tell us that, uh, I think it's going to lead probably naturally into where yeah. contraband sort of came from with you. So, man, am I talking to, uh, here's the fun part for me because we've communicated through email up till now. So am I talking to Thomas or TJ? Yeah, it's, uh, no, nah, it's, I, I'm, I'm still young enough to be TJ, but yeah, Thomas. Fair enough. Thomas, I was when I was a young boy in trouble with mum. Um, and, and then TJ was, yeah yeah that's it I like to still think but I'll be I'll, I'll, I'll be old Tom pretty soon don't worry like, <laughs> so uh tell me about old Tom you know you yeah especially what led you to that 2008 comic book start had you been into comics like from a kid did you get into them at a certain yeah. age and then how did this become the medium because somebody could have turned around and said oh this would be a great film or this would be a great book but you chose comics and there's usually a reason behind that so a little bit of background on that will help sort of i think inform some stuff about contraband and yeah. sort of feed people yeah, in no a little worries. bit about yeah, who we're cool. talking to <laughs> yeah yeah no worries no worries yeah no so uh yeah no it yeah uh, it's, it's just one of those things. I don't know if, I don't know if this sounds familiar in people's lives, but you know, I, I uh, went through school, like writing lots of stories. I like to write stories. Yeah. I'm a writer, writer. I'm a writer, you know, sucked in math, sucked in science, did great in English, you know? So that was it. So go to university, you start doing creative writing, you do lots of English and you read all that, all that kind of stuff. Right. And focus on journalism, you become a journalist and not a bad writer, a lot of creative stories, End up, uh, you know, doing interviews with uh, mainly ice hockey guys uh, and a few entertainment people, you know, had a couple of good ones with Pete Townsend and, you know, a few, few neat little freelancing things. And then uh, you're poor. <laughs> so you don't have any money. <laughs> you're like, wow. And friends going backpacking. I'm thinking, I want to go backpacking. I need some money. And, you know, for three years of working at a bar, uh, you know, which is okay in Canada, you get some good tips up in Canada, you know, to be far. And but while you're trying to make it in the bar and, and, and be a writer and, and establish yourself, it's, it's, it's really competitive. It's very difficult to sort of make a good livelihood. And then uh, I actually um, went back to business school and uh, I did an MBA in, uh, in, in focusing on marketing. There's no big surprise, a lot of creativity in that as opposed right. to the finance, because I blagged my way around that as much as I could. But it was a really good program, to be honest. And I ended up um, getting into a good, uh, getting into a good, a, a good business school and a good consultancy firm as well, where, uh, you know, I, you think you know things. I mean, there's some really, really bright people you're surrounded by. Um, and, you know, you kind of get stuck in that a little bit. You know, you're doing the, you know, I think there was a report about Goldman Sachs talking 95 hours a week or some shit like that. And, uh, when I'd work for this consultancy firm, I was like, I'd be happy with 95 hours. You know, it was like, you're, you were putting some big, big work in it. And after about 18 months, you know, I'd aged 10 years and I thought, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to be for me. And so when I took a step back, I, I pulled myself out of the big pyramid a little bit. And I said that okay, I can kind of do this sort of contract uh, consultancy bit, which, which is, which is what I do to the very day now. Um, 
but it also freed up my life and it freed up my passion, which was a little bit going back to writing a little bit. And I had some ideas on a story uh, to do this. And, you know, I had some little ideas, you know, everybody has ideas about writing little stories. And I've had a few creative things published, a few magazines, stuff like that. But this thing was just, it, I, to be fair, it just seemed a bit too good to be true. And, and, I, and to be honest, my, my, my choice with comics is I, bu I buy a fair amount of comics. Um, not a superhero guy. Uh, it's good. It was all dark horse and image. And, you know, Frank Miller is my Batman, you know what I mean? Like he's it. Right. And, you know, he, he was that guy and everything around that was coming out around that time, you know, it was just so cool. And, and, and I was aware of slave labor graphics and stuff that they were doing as well, but I mean, dark horse and image. Wow, man. They'd said, they're just doing some crazy stuff and really good stuff. And so when I said, I got to get the story out, to be honest, I, the, you know, you could write it or you could write and draw it. And so I wrote and draw, I wrote, I wrote it and drew it. And then I kind of try to sketch it and then do it. And then, you know, I had all these, you know, post-it notes all over my wall and my console. I had like a little planning Excel spreadsheet, which helped me in that respect. And I was really organizing it quite a lot. And, and, and to be honest, it, it was, it, uh, it was it was real a, a lot of work but it couldn't be shortened down it had to be the whole sort of you know two and a half three hour kind of story you have to read and uh that that kind of that kind of led to, to to that and i think maybe probably the marketing side of things i think i had that in the back of my head a little bit as well when i was writing i was like well you know what what's my target audience gonna like are they gonna really enjoy this i mean i wasn't down to a segmentation level or anything there seth but uh, you know it was yeah, I was really thinking about, oh, I know this type of guy will think this thing would be really cool, you know? So I, I may be less about, oh, I do it for the love of it and I love comics and I just do everything that comes to my mind. I'd probably say it's about half that and the other half is like, man, I want to see the smile on Seth's face when he reads this shit, you know? <laughs> and also you've done the starving artist thing. Like at some point, you know, <laughs> it's just starving. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you're thinking to yourself, hey, for 50% of this one, I'm going to be passionate artist guy. And for 50% of this, I'm going to think about how it's going to sell because it wouldn't be bad to make, you know, five or 10 bucks here and there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know yeah. like the feel is, like yeah. there's a return. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, I know Dan's not doing much with slave labor right now. He's running a club actually, and, and he's trying to do like a club um, comics thing. Um, and he's still he's, he's he's ramping it back up again, which is great. But you know the whole idea of the slave labor graphic—it's the same thing. You know the number of hours that you put in to doing, uh, you know, your work—it's—it's it's ab absolutely absolutely insane. And you know you see these Kickstarter guys—they go out and you know and they sell about so two or three hundred copies and they raise about 25 grand on kickstarter and it makes my heart swell i'm thinking mate you i'm so happy for you you know because because <laughs> that 25 grand won't put a dent into the amount of effort that you put into that work man it, it doesn't even scratch the surface you know so it's like that for everybody and you'll hear that you'll hear that eh? it's a, it's 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 just a crazy it's a crazy uh addiction to have i think writing comics isn't it so I would imagine also, I'm curious now, it just popped in my head. Like I'm always going to have questions I want to reference because they they come up when I'm preparing for a, a conversation, um, mostly because there's so many great ideas and I want to think about how do you, you know, catch them in kind of like an umbrella? How do you sort of get a couple of ideas so that you can make it something that's, yeah. you know, 
more complete to talk about. But when you just think, you know, when you were just describing that, I wondered, tell me now, if you were to do the math, how do you think the math works out for the hours you put into the comics compared to the hours you were putting into uh, the uh, agency you were with? Yeah, absolutely. You're, 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 yeah, this, this can't come out anywhere, you know, and that's even to today because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about just the amount of work that you put in to try to promote it and stuff, you know, you're, you're, you're doing interviews, you're doing all this sort of other stuff on that is, is there and, and, you know, I'm getting paid, you know, a, a, you know, a nice bit of wedge for doing a consultancy project for, for another company right now. And, you know, yeah, it just, just seems so unfair, you know, cause they, you know, <laughs> you can, you can give them a certain amount and they'll be just ecstatic, you know, and, and here you are trying to figure out what the dialogue is going to be on the seventh panel. And you're just like, you know, you'll do an hour, you know, beating your head against the wall and go, well, that's not cool enough. Oh, that's just a bit sappy or, ah, you know, and you just, you just, you won't even think about it, but of course it's the, it's the, it's the passion, isn't it? But you're talking about organizing ideas. It's, it's really good. I don't, and I don't know, maybe this is standard for writers these days, but you know, again, I, I made a joke about having sticky notes all over the place and how you plan things and stuff. And I, I honestly think you can't not do that if you want to come up with something that's going to sell and be really compelling to people. Because mm. if you don't, um, because it's really good because you, you've got your, your, your mainframe story, but then if you've got really good ideas that you're kind of, you know, I, I find my notes and my, my iPhone gets quite a lot of action as well. You're taking little ideas down and they're like, oh, that would be really cool. And and then, but the temptation is you don't want to cram them all Notebooks all in like there. this that I just sort of have laying all over the place. <laughs> like, you know, you can tell because it's got the folded rumple pages and you're just sort of like, I don't even know what's okay. There's like a line for a beginning of something. Who knows what that thing is? I've got like, yeah, you know, you, yeah. You look yeah. so sexy though, Seth. I mean, my God. Cards and <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh yeah man like you know you, you you're you're so aware of the fact that there's nothing worse than five minutes later after an idea going i don't remember what that was yeah. i had this thought i had yeah, this but... idea and it's gone oh okay it was yeah. about nope it was a nope it was oh and it's just gone <laughs> or to yeah, end this man, interview you, you, and then i remember you know and then suddenly i'm like oh yeah, that's yeah. the question i was going to ask him but the interview's over and now it doesn't matter anymore like that was the moment oh, <laughs> there's it's frustrating you, uh it's the same it's just it, it that's the thing though as well as is it's it's coming up with stuff on the fly as well which you're clearly good at i mean you've been doing this stuff for a long time and you can see that right you've been taught you know how to talk to people you know how to keep a, a good casual conversation going with people um and i haven't caught you staring and sneaking down at your notes too many times so that's pretty good as well but you know i say you're welcome you should turn the video off there you can just have it right in front of you it's like when i go for a job interview these days you know no video and i just have my cv in front of me you know and see, I now just that's say, easy but i've got Got friends especially like on platforms who recently and they're they're very successful like i have a good friend i, I love to promote her. her name's uh sarah webb and she started writing this idea about dr sarah webb sorry she got her doctor a little while back and she started writing this series about colorism healing and the idea of the first moment she realized someone was darker or lighter skin than her and as a black woman growing up in louisiana this became like part of this way of her looking at things 
so she's got this beautiful colorism healing brand and she her her videos are phenomenal like she gets 500 plus on a video on instagram easy and she's talking about real issues you know she's really yeah she's really captured but she started mentioning when i posted some video of a conversation she said i like this delivery format and i'm like well you do really well at stuff so i'm gonna start doing this so i've made it part of the the thing but along with it you also have to like you have to let go of the grip you have to like hold the card and be like down you go if i remember nah, you i remember you but at least i wrote it down so i'm hoping for that 80 percent retention if i wrote it down at least i'm gonna remember uh, to go it. your brain your brain's good buddy you, your brain you can soak that in don't worry appreciate it so now here's the thing that i'm looking at like we've been talking we've been talking about the thing without actually talking about the thing we've kind of been talking around the thing which is what is now contraband because we you know you you sort of hinted at it when you were talking about your experience at and i'm just going to clarify you said it was at t-mobile yeah it was actually at t-mobile that i'd worked at in, in the uk here at the time yeah gotcha so this platform is submitting material and you're seeing it and that's where the original idea for contraband begins but then you also have the later idea of contraband which is now but it's a theme that works be over 12 years. It hasn't had to change much when you were going through the edits. So now let's go ahead and set this up for people because I made a rule with myself as far as like when I'm trying to explain things and sometimes I do it well, but I'll never do it as well as you. <laughs> so no, tell me a little bit about the thing we're talking about. You know, you know what, I'll tell you, you know, again, I think contrabrand really, I guess, probably you know what is it about it's got some good characters it's got a love interest it's got a lot of the kind of cool things that you want to have a comic book to do and a good story it's fiction mm -hmm. uh, it's also a lot it's a bit dark it's uh it's just a know, tad I guess it's, it's gonna be a, just a tad dark yeah it's a little <laughs> right. dark um and, and and but you you get uh you, you know and i'll talk about the reasons why i think it's a lot darker now than possibly 13 14 years ago um but if I were to put it as simple as possible, and and you, and 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 if 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 you're interested in finding out, uh, you know what what the whole kind of promise the premise is right now is, you know, kind of imagine you've got some activists, right? And they come along and they decide, you know what, I'm pretty smart, and they figured out a way to get in to Facebook, and they've managed to hack Facebook, and what they've been able to do is they're able to strip the ownership from Mark Zuckerberg. Okay, you don't own it anymore. But because we hate you so much, we hate what you do to people and we hate your privacy policy and you hate you spamming me. We hate you trying to censor all the insider people out there with horns on their head and whatnot. What we're going to do is we're going to um, give ownership to whoever is the top influencer on your platform. So what we're going to do, so whether that's going to be Kim Kardashian or whether that's Justin Bieber or Ronaldo over here in Europe or whoever has 225 million followers, whoever's ranked number one gets control of contraband. And that's what we're going to do. And, and we're going to do that. Um, and what will happen is we think that because we do that, we want to see how society reacts to that. Well, as you might expect, if you've got some people who are very powerful, well, what happens is people go, oh, hold on, you're giving me the fame, but you're also going to give me the power and the money that you get from a Facebook. So that seems to be a bit of an incentive. So the whole book is about 
how far will people go to actually try to achieve that digital summit? How, how much will I do? Who, who, who will I hurt? Who, who, um, who, who, uh, how, how much, uh, how, how, what kind of content would I offer? How much, how important is that to get people around me to support me to reach that summit of that being number one? It's almost like taking what you know about today and saying, ah, yeah, this is how social media works. And really, how much power does the number one influencer on social media have? Well, he just so happened to be the president and he got all the power, didn't he? So he used it to his advantage. So it kind of takes that twist. But then the other twist is the fact that that, that's, that's all happening on the dark web. So there's no government, there's no legislation, there's no policing of that platform. It's all happening and it happens out of nowhere. And the, the general public doesn't have a clue what's happening. So that's kind of the core sort of premise of that. But of course, the guy that runs the channel, which is running all of these different uh, videos off of from in dark web videos, the book really centers around him. You know, it, it kind of follows a story about you know, what kind of a guy do you have to be or a woman, actually? What kind of person do you need to be? Where do you come from? How would you set up a channel? What kind of characteristics do you have? What kind of observation skills do you have? How ruthless do you need to be? And in the case of this character, how misogynist do you need to be? And I'll tell you, 15 years ago, 13, 14 years ago, a misogynist character was not that interesting. To be honest, it's pretty part and parcel. 2021, oh my God. I was like, I don't think, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure DC and Marvel quite have the right villain right now. I mean, they got these big ogres with like, <laughs> no, 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 you, you got to go for the misogynist. <laughs> he's, he's well, and that's the thing, actually, when you look at some of the characters they have available, the first thing that comes to mind, if you ever read any DC and you remember the New Gods, uh, they had uh, Godfrey who was the dangerous mouth in the legend series. Now that's a character who I think right now would be so perfect to sort of encapsulate like a, uh, a certain news channel that begins with the letter F and that <laughs> he could probably be like a great mouthpiece. Like, I really feel like if you wanted to give this the, the taste of reality it's looking for, that should be a villain. Like that should really be a main voice right now. And great. It would, it would actually like, you know what I mean? Capture that idea. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, yeah. And I was going to say, it used to be you'd have the kingpin and he'd walk around with a machine gun and, um, you know, and, and, and a bat in the other hand. But now you don't, right. you, what, you, what you don't want to do is you don't want to have the bat. You want to have a blonde on one arm and a brunette on the other because he's clearly a really bad guy if he's like that. You know what I'm saying? So um, we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with the following ads and then bring you right back to our conversation. You know, it's, it's, you know, and I, I mean, I have my views on that too. And, and, you know, again, it's, it, it's fair enough, but I, again, that's probably the best way to explain contraband because it, it is, it is set in a time where, you know, all of those rules and all these media driven, uh, uh, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to behave, how we're supposed to think, um, you know, this is what social media is about. And the book itself is a reaction to that. But actually, the contraband is, is actually a creation that, that, that you could say would come out of that. And, and if you're really honest, 
And it, it, with the only, I think the only thing that's keeping people from, from moving to more and more off sort of grid, I guess, dark web apps is a lazy, people are lazy. Nah, nah, don't bother about that. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, they're locked into their communities, right? And the services that they offer are really good on Facebook and the rest of them. Um, but there's also the fact that we've been stepped back about sort of five, 10 years because of the COVID crisis. And I, I hate talking about it because God, there's gotta be some opportunity to go through an hour of having a conversation and not talk about the pandemic. But the point is, is that if you really care about private privacy, privacy, um, private data privacy, sorry about that, sir. Um, like myself, like you, you, we, we've gone back to the dark ages, my friend. It's like, I want to go in a bar and here's my passport and my favorite kind of pizza. And here it is. It's (laughs) like, here's, you know, (laughs) you know, it's got to like, it's the rubber glove put it on and have a little inspection before i can go and have a seat sit on your on on your stool it's just like wow it's incredible and so we started seeing that momentum building um and as as a result of you know a lot of the privacy acts and whatnot but but you know it's really taking a step back on that but i think that as a result of what you're seeing in this sort of you know especially in america this sort of divisive polarization of i think people how they, they feel and what they think in terms of their policies and whatnot people are just going to go you know what there's no benefit of me being on something on facebook instagram tiktok whatever the latest government monitored platform is i'm going to go off grid i'm going to go on the dark web i'm going to search out something that i can use even if it's for a short term i mean i think parlor was out now now that's bad now we got to shut that down because you know we can't have all these right-wing people go and use that but the whole dynamic of having an application you can use even for a three to six month period and then you move on to the next one off grid and that's what this book's about i can see society moving that way and doing so for a profit especially if there's an opportunity for it to be like i mean this is a way to make a living and potentially profitable one for a long time as long as you don't you know it's almost like an Occam's razor sort of thing like don't don't go to one side or the other but if you can walk the line for a while you can really yeah that's it be the middleman you know right (laughs) just be a facilitator look man I'm I'm not causing these things to happen but if I happen to be there with a camera and I can capture it so here's this idea that I had and I want to get your uh, insight because I think it's going to move really well into our characters because when you drop us into this and heads up there's just sort of a uh, murphy's law if i start recording people start moving around so you might hear some doors and stuff closing here and there from other yeah, people who live right. here um i want to hear you uh, and where's the dog <laughs> yeah hey uh, need the dog yeah that's the reason actually i wear headphones when i do these too they don't mind hearing my voice but if they hear somebody else's voice we'll never get through a conversation like they'll just but uh to 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 go back to the comic there's this idea that i had when i was thinking about and i was curious if this would be a fun way for us to not only talk about more about the idea of contraband but also about um the characters who sort of walk us through it this idea of is this saying that they're mad at the world or is this a story about showing the world how mad it is because it it's it's interestingly enough i feel like both elements occur within the comic and i'm wondering you know 
which one tilts or if it's a if it's an even split or or even if it's a percentage thing you need to worry about if it's so you know intertwined and for anybody just listening to the audio version of this i intertwined my fingers and i did some other visual things that were meant to represent that so i'm looking at the bike now as now almost to apologize to you and if you care i appreciate that and if you don't just i'll I'll stop the rambling but that was an idea because when we drop into this you you give us a, a very innocent young man who has a relationship that he also it's very interesting how relationships are not only physical but they're visual with the videos so we get dropped into that and we're shown just how quickly you can be ensorcelled by someone and then under their thumb and then you because of that you are exposed to all the darkness that they are actually creating through contraband so what i thought about was this idea of okay so as we're going through this you know is tucker and charlotte are they mad at the world because you also introduce them in a way that they're not great characters. You know, you start us off with the idea that they were rabble rousers in Afghanistan, that when the peace happens, yeah, right. their job was to go ahead and create diversions and divisions, because if you keep the smaller parties, the local parties, you know, focused on smaller conflicts, they're not going to deal with the oppressing occupying force that's actually like making the big plays. So right. these whole ideas stem into then we introduce this character to them and what they're both doing and how they're working against each other. So uh, also came this idea of mad at the world or showing the world just how mad it is. What yeah, I, I would probably go with the <laughs> latter because uh, that's really good. That's really, I, I, I love that because you're right. I think, I think that, um, I think that the, how mad the world is, is, you know, again, I, I wanted to put some backgrounding again, I'm, I'm a little bit really obsessed on, it's almost like how did the idea of, the graphic novel come around well i really quite like how it happened i don't like the videos i saw because i'm not a big fan of watching a lot of this stuff personally but not i you know i had a real buzz when i felt you know what i i'm seeing this content and i'm thinking what if somebody and it's just like that you kind of almost have that clicking moment thought okay this is a really this could be really a good story right and i, and I got excited and then you just follow through on it and you do all those sort of insane hours that i was talking about earlier the reality is, is that I love the show, the fact that that's how it began, because that's where Tucker got it, right? You got to start somewhere. You can't just rock up and go, okay, I'm going to start a business. You can't, you put a, a, a lemonade stand in the middle of, in the middle of the highway. Okay. Maybe you get a couple of quid, but how, how would a guy start something like this, you know, and, and, and most everything else in almost every movie you come out, you only get like, here's this guy and he's doing this, you know, he's got that. And you don't really get like, where's that little background coming from? Right. And just, it, and it made sense because of course I've seen the shit, right. You know, you see the videos coming in and all of the, 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 the you know, he, he, he gathers the stuff that he's filming firsthand, which is a nice mix with all the other sort of spammy stuff you see from, from the nineties and whatnot. And you can mix it all up and go, okay, now we've got a foundation. Okay. All you need is a base, right. And then you can rock and roll and you can start making the cash. Right. So he, he knew that it is a mad world, I guess you could say, and he knew that the people were going to react to uh, to it that way. So uh, what I didn't want to do was I wanted to give the seed about how it can kind of kick off, but I didn't want it to be, okay, let's fill out half the story of how he kind of got going and how it kind of grew up. And then, no, boom, it's straight in there. He's under pressure now because there's some people who are coming in 
and they're trying to shut him down and he doesn't want to lose any more money. Right. I mean, he's, he likes the money he's going to make, but he's, he's quick thinking he's adaptive and whatnot. And to, to, to get somebody who kind of flings himself into that as a sort of a citizen journalist or whatever these people are called who walk around with their mobile phones, staring at people all the time um, was, I thought was a really good fitting way to, to show um, that real time account of, of while this was all happening he is the phone, right? But there's a sense of desperation with Toby, isn't there, too? You know, I think you probably picked up is that um, the digital world was leaving him behind, wasn't it? I mean, probably before digital world, he was going to get left behind because, you know, he's kind of an average guy, right? You know, he's okay. And, he's you a know, bit sad. He's a bit too emotional. <laughs> yeah, he's got a crappy job. You know, all the things that I was doing when I was in my English degree, you know, all that stuff, right? So, no. <laughs> No, it's, it's, you know, because I, I, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, this guy, this guy is probably trying to think, how am I going to, how am I going to make it? And it's almost like, you know, a sense of desperation when he starts playing with his phone and trying to get in there and try to, you know, sneak in and, and stealth in there and, and put himself in play by, by filming the right, right thing at the right time. And I, I thought that was really uh, it, it's it's almost like how a digital society is today you know you 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 spend six months off the grid you're off the grid and 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 i thought that that was kind of a fitting way of expressing that as well but yeah i definitely think that 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 certainly you know the, the tucker 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 knows it's a mad world and he's mad himself right so he's you know you have to be you have to be very tuned into your target audience your target market in terms of knowing how much money you're going to make from them right so you got to appeal to them um, and I try to express that in, in a rather, yeah, in a rather business sort of marketing way. And I think you probably picked up on that, Seth, and I'm really big on, on big on that kind of through that. And it's just like, you know, he, you know, he's, he's not just thinking money. It's like, oh, if we do this, I'll go and raid the bank and get some money. You know, it's more, you know, he has to graph too, like anybody else, you know, and I try to, you know, you got to figure out ways how you can, you can, you can, you can get the quid, right. You get the, get the bucks. And so, try to kind of keep that going through the through the story as well and make that as believable as possible well and you do so so well because he's got a, a right-hand man who he just rips on for being you know roided up and you know too too much of a meathead but he's also the guy who handles all of his programming so he needs this guy but he can't let him know how much he needs him so he's got to trash him all the time but he's also like a wonderful insight because it's not like tucker's monologuing i mean We'll, we'll get to what each character does more about, you know, how that it's, I mean, social commentary, man, seriously, like this could be like a manual on how to use social commentary and character dialogue. And we'll get to that. But here's the kicker for me is, you know, some of the explanation is given through the characters who are also, you know, essentially he has gotten leverage and he understands how valuable that is. And because of that leverage, he has these people under his thumb, but it's through them we get a chance to learn more about who Tucker is. So, yeah. you know, you, you've got a great example there where you've got someone who can tell us a little bit about how other people get sucked in to working for Tucker. And then yeah. also, you know, what they can give us in return, which is some insight into who is Tucker and why is he doing these things? So I, I love that that's an introduction, but I, I also love that that's a natural way for us to, to look at the fact that Tucker had a partner someone he worked with back in Afghanistan. And now they're working against each other. She's also partners with a guy named Jarvis, who's bringing us a completely other angle. So let's go yeah. ahead and bring them into the conversation. Tell me more about Jarvis 
and Charlotte and what we can sort of let people yeah. know about, you know, why they, why they're a natural, like a conflict for, or uh, uh, an issue for Tucker. Like, why is he so angry and obsessed with them? What's his, what's his, you know, yeah. deal? <laughs> well, it, it's like, yeah, I think you, you kind of get the idea from Tucker that he's very much a bully, right? And he's going to be that. I, I can't sort of, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, he's probably a little bit more complex than that, but yeah, certainly, but bully, bullying people, uh, even back in 2008, was pretty bad. 2021, whoa, jeepers, you can't have that. You know, no one bullies anybody today, you know, which is how the world works still, unfortunately. But, um, but yeah, so he, uh, he's definitely bully. And um, certainly as you, you meet Charlotte and, you know, you think, okay, here, she's, she's kind of working with him and, and, and they're doing their Afghanistan thing. And then something bad happened in Afghanistan. And now she's, she's, she's supporting this, this, this activist who's doing everything he can to shut down uh, his platform as well as other platforms like it that are running on the dark web. And, 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 you know, she, she's there to sort of, you know, she it seems quite, quite polar because you don't get the feeling that, you know, there was some animosity between them when they were doing their thing in Afghanistan, but obviously, you know, something, something happened there that made her feel that she had to do that. But I think that, you know, again, you got to look at yourself and you got to think, okay, well, why, why was he there? Tucker? Okay. Why, why was she there? What happened? What, what happened to her in that experience? Okay. You could be a special forces person and you're going out there and causing unrest and trying to stoke the fire, but, but hold on, what, you know, what were they doing there? Why, what, what kind of relationship do they have there at the time as well? And so, you know, she comes out, is she scarred? Is she, is she working with Jarvis because she, you know, she's going to spend the rest of her life trying to stop, you know, what, 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 what Tucker and contraband represents, um, you know, did she feel that she can actually want to make a difference now instead of, you know, in Afghanistan stoking the fire, wasn't really making a difference. She was making it, she was making good money. Um, whereas now if she can shut, you know, shut one down, then maybe there'll be more after, but at least she has the satisfaction of doing that. Um, so she's quite obviously strong and I, I thought I purposely sort of, you know, she, she's pretty geared up to kind of handle herself physically as well. So, you know, she's a bit of a tough cookie, so, which is good. Uh, not a, not a shrinking violet. Uh, however, um, uh, Jarvis is certainly, you know, your, your kind of beatnicky kind of guy who, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of an idealistic person and probably benefits quite a bit from having charlotte around all the time so but again he you know it's interesting because the world i tried to create was that you know he he doesn't shy away from a nice monologue every once in a while as well right because maybe there's something about the fact that you can't really function and you can't lead or you can't be someone who counts um in 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 the world unless you're able to kind of deliver that that 30 second sort of you know presence of yourself and and I thought of that through the story as well and even the key character Toby who's quite shy and innocent or supposedly naive you you, you start seeing him click clocking onto this right so you can start seeing him trying to discuss his world uh in 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 in, in a way that it's a bit more akin to how everybody else should be doing it um, in the world. And I, I really, I really put a bit of an effort in that. It's it, to be fair. I'm not going to lie. So I was really trying to balance that was really, what can be a bit of a challenge um, because you have the reader to think about, right. Uh, and you don't want them to kind of, oh, 
I'm used to reading comics that are a lot faster than this. <laughs> you know, Jesus, you know, come on. Okay, Tucker, that's enough, you know. Um, but yeah, so, I, I, you know, they're, they're a bit of a risk. But again, I, I felt that as long as you say something that was suitable for the character and, and also, you know, left walking away with a little bit of an itch or something, preferably not a scar, but uh, a thought or something, it was probably going to be worth it. So um, that's a very generous way of saying if you pick up the book have a flick through it first because there's lots of words <laughs> there are lots of words in fact uh, this is a question that was in my head do you know how many can you tell us how many words are in this because i i've seen graphic novels and comics that get away with like you know and it's beautifully done art don't get me wrong you know panels and panels of just like one line one line and again, for anybody listening, I'm talking about one line, you know, that's sort of like a voiceover narrative text in the upper left-hand corner of the top left panel, and then one more down at the very bottom right-hand corner of the bottom right panel. And, and, and they, that, that, that's it. You've got characters that are kicking out 50 to 75 words per panel, you know, as part of their dialogue. And it's, it's healthy. It's robust. So how many words are we talking about here, man? Did you know? Offhand? I don't know yet. I don't know. <laughs> so this wasn't something you transferred from like a script and then moved on to uh, onto the page. Was it something that a lot of times you were you were writing freely no, as you were I, going? Or you you say that you say that because um, uh, I had a I had a very interesting thing happen where um, I did have someone contact me about three or four months ago about uh, requesting a script version, and I actually looked at it and. Um, uh, I worked, I have a good friend of mine who, who does sort of, you know, he's more of a screenwriter kind of guy who, you know, you know, he, 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 I, I said, look at, you know, can you, can you, can you have a quick look at this and, and, and just see what you can do about, you know, come back to me and tell me what, what you can do about writing a script. And he came back to me and he goes, I've just written a script. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, I just basically shifted most of, almost all of the things you had. And I put it in, I added some sort of description and whatnot. And here it is on, on on, uh, on on a script and I went so I kind of looked through it and I was like wow 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 and I was like I was kind of thinking I was kind of thinking that there's probably even for a script like even a long movie I'm like there's no way that guy can get away with saying that much <laughs> and so it was <laughs> I guess gotta have to cut that down man you know what I'm gonna everybody's gonna just run away you know so I was like that's not gonna do so it, it it was it does seem to fit you know quite well I've never actually had written one before um and it was interesting because I I, I want to you know I want to give Phil Phil Elliott a lot of credit for this because you know as much as I've done some creative writing stories and, and whatnot he's a comics god I mean he's worked with uh Alan Moore he's worked with uh Neil Gaiman he's he's done he's he's done a bunch of stuff with Eddie Campbell and these guys are like massive <laughs> comics gods and stuff. And he knew them all in the eighties and nineties back in the UK. And I was just like, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And he was, he's geek. So he's kind of, he didn't, he was really good. He didn't steer me. He didn't kind of guide me to direct. I mean, he was just kind of let me let, let loose. And I, and I asked him cold up. I said, look at this. This is a lot of words for these characters. He goes, yeah, that's great. Just, just smash this. He goes, I'll, I, I will never work on a comic like this again. He goes, no one's it. Just do it, you know. Go do it, and whatever you're gonna see it. And and an interesting is that it, it, while I'm talking about, well, who's my reader? Who's my target audience? You know, as a business. But the truth is, Seth, if I was actually 
that conscious of it, I would not have gone anywhere near that. I'm probably looking for somebody who doesn't mind mixing up a bit of comics reading, graphic novels with uh, regular bo- regular novels, you know, some books and stuff that they like to read as well. Um, and certainly the, the re- you know, the feedback I get from people who read lots of books has been really good. So, hey, you know, that's all right. <laughs> The subscribers of Batman, uh, you know, mm, you know, it's okay. We'll have to wait you know? to see what they have to say. We'll let them yeah, finish it first. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, man. They'll have to have a look. But it's really, it's, it's okay, you know. I, I, and I love speaking candidly about that because, but you, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it is, it is interesting because I think even in the UK, um, it really rarely comes up. It, it really comes up about, oh, there's a lot of words and whatever people go and they go, you know, and especially a lot of people have been around reading graphic novels for a long time. They're just, yeah, it's cool, man. I love it. It's fine. You know, all that. I think the, I think the American audience tends to be a little bit more on the, it's a little bit of a tighter story. They want a lot more, a lot more, a lot more action. Want things to be a little bit more plot centric as well. And so um, I've taken a beating, a good beating from, from some of them as well, which is okay, you know. <laughs> healthy you know they're they're gonna have their position and you know you you can't convince people they're gonna believe what they believe right from the get-go oh Um, man what was great for me was thanks for reading it though you know that's how i look at it (laughs) well and recently they just celebrated uh will eisner week um and he was one of those characters who i got a chance to catch up on like his contract with god and uh signal from space and that guy did not you know, hold back, especially for the time. He didn't mind, you know, having characters have some really long conversations. And sometimes it would be more even-handed. The back and forth was was sort of the, the heavier thing he was doing with the dialogue exchange. But uh, I do feel like there there is a market that, especially in comics, that love that. Like, they're like, hey, give me an opportunity to sink into the page. And if you give me the right dialogue, then it's going to make these other things going around it visually even more impressive because I'm going to spend more time on the page with it. You know, one of the great things about great books, if you like reading a good book is you can spend a few minutes on a good page and think to yourself, that's a lovely page of writing. Like there's a reason why you're, you're sinking into it. And I think you're bringing that to uh comics through this book so i i loved it but i i had to wonder that and i also had to wonder you know um i'm without glancing back at the credits page uh really quick did you end up doing using a letter for this uh version of the book and if not or if so do they hate you and if not <laughs> you know uh what is it like being your own letter do you ever like get mad at yourself where you're like hey me could you knock it off? Like my hand is cramping. My fingers are stuck like this when I sleep. Uh. I, I, I honestly, honestly, and I, I will say that if Phil, Phil, Phil did it, Phil did all the lettering as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bless him. Oh my God. <laughs> he did all the artwork and then, uh, but we, we had some help with the, with the inks. Um, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Ian who did the inks. Um, he basically declared the fact that uh, the job that I had on doing the inks um, was so big that it was the thing that gave, that made me give up my day job. So now he exclusively does comics. And oh. I was so, I, I was like, so, so, so when I, when I saw him, when I saw him again, he was like, you, you're the one that <laughs> so I was like, I was like, you should be thanking me, okay? You know, I have a day job, and you should see these pie charts I look at all the time. It's like, 
you don't have to you you're welcome you know you're welcome so i made you, you know, I, I mean you made me but i made you too <laughs> yeah we had a we had a we had uh uh sherry did all the tones on it as well so nice. um which, which is cool yeah it's like it's like black and white but the tones and you kind of mix it i was like now you know i we you know for some of the artwork that we do some uh, we do some of the promotion stuff <clears throat> for the for the new book I, I grabbed a few pages and we had a few of them colored and uh I, I think it was probably just about as much work really to do the toning as it does for the color and, and I'm really happy we decided that because we talked with Phil about saying let's keep it black and white a bit, a bit kind of dark and a bit gritty kind of London dark and of course half of it's set in Belgium as well right so and, and you know that, that that was probably a nice contrast to the sort of your tin tin sort of everything's sort of bright blue and bright green kind of kind of thing which um yeah so but yeah great reference point big fan of Tintin (laughs) that's that's my childhood right there like I distinctly remember like I want to say fourth fifth grade kids fighting over those books in the school library you know because it was a comic but for me it was like no 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 you don't understand this is a comic with words like this is a comic that tells stories this isn't Mr. Happy meets (laughs) sad and the had sad and happy books you know where it was like people would read like 10 of those and they'd launch up the book club. And I'm reading biographies of like famous people in history and, you know, ridiculous stuff like that. For me, that was like a bridge. So thanks for referencing that because that's another example. I remember a comic that was actually requiring you to read. And it was telling you a a complex story with a lot of dialogue and description. And, you know, uh, what what a legacy to be in, man. Like Tintin and Will Eisner, that's not too shabby company to have. Oh, I don't know. You, I think you're putting it there, Seth. But all I, w- I would say is that as being a kid, uh, growing up reading that like yourself, I was thinking, who, who are these weird people in Europe? And then you then realize that it's because they have like 15% beer, you know, and that's it. Like, <laughs> it's messing everybody. Ah, that's right. That's where they come up with some good ideas. Eh? So there we go. I, got, I did I did get one. Uh, I did get one review uh, that came in uh, that said, uh, you know, looking, reading the book. And with the actions, it's like Tintin on heroin. I think I think one person has said, um, and I don't know it was whether it was a good or a bad review, but I, it's one of those. Yeah, it's like Lady Gaga's meat dress. You know, I, I don't I don't necessarily want that memory scarred in my brain, but it's there. It's not going to go away. And neither will Tintin on heroin either. So there you have it. Well, and and not only that, but you've just created an earworm for anybody who's listening just to the audio, or even now visually, they're like meat dress. That's it. That's my word now for I don't know how long until the next, you know, earworm gets in there until I hear a catchy song or until I can find another word. That's it. Meat dress. Baby. Meat I'm dress. sorry. <laughs> That's a, Well, yeah. You know what? I, I, he's a genuine guy. All right. He's sorry. Just believe the man on this. It, it wasn't intentional, but we're talking about some dark stuff in contraband. Like, so the, these things are going to come up. Um, One of the things that I I love is right now, I wanted to sort of give this opportunity for you because I'm at 112, page 112. There's 144 in the book. And there was a part of me that was like, hey, I'm going to burn through and read this before. And then another part of me was like, actually, what if you don't, what if you give an opportunity to say, hey, this is what I know what's going on right now in the story and sort of tease anybody, you know, who might be hearing what we're talking about now is you sort of give me a teaser for those final pages we can give them one as well and just sort of say you know what 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 can I expect 
in those final pages because as I'm as I'm getting up there, and, and here's the thing, you get to do it in like a spoiler-free way. So you get to say like, well, friends become enemies and bad things happen to good people. <laughs> you know, you, you can get as general that. as That's you it. want. There you go, right? Good luck. Get through those last 30 pages, buddy, and I'll see you on the other side, you know? Right. No. I- <laughs> but so much has been fun up to this point. I guess I have a question for you. Do you, do you feel something? Do you feel something's going to happen? Do you think? Do you think something's going to happen, Seth? Do you think it's uh, it's going to go? Are things are things going to end nicely? Do you think? Well, so here's what I love. At this point now, Jarvis has introduced his solution, which is how about we remove the control of the power because that's the one thing that Tucker loves is the leverage he has on everyone. Yep. Now, while that's a while that's a, a fun idea, there's all the unpredictability that goes with it. Because in reality, that's one of the few stabilizing factors in Tucker's life. Everything else about him, the man, he's just chaos. So what if you take away his stability? You know what I mean? It's like having that like, you know, mad dog sort of gorilla guy who's just like, you know, uh, so ridiculously over the top when he's like angry, like he's just like alpha male, you know, you know, pride of the lions, whatever it might be, you know, and the whole thing that keeps him grounded is he's got that person in his life, male or female, whoever it is that he like cares more about than whatever he wants to do. And now you take her away. Like what happens to that guy when he's like, I don't have any sort of anchor. Like I'm completely unmoored. So I feel like with Tucker, you have this, you know, this thing that's you're threatening the very thing that that keeps him going, that gives him a reason for being. So A, that threat could be exposed and he could take out, you know, try and do a preemptive thing. B, the threat could uh, be put in play. And if he loses control, how will he lash out at everyone else? And then also is the possibility that it's not like any of the people close to him actually like him. So it's clear that there's a possibility of betrayal and a few other options available that could play out as well. So knowing that there's a myriad of personalities, knowing that I read Choose Your Own Adventure books as a kid and knowing what that influence can have, I'm well aware of setting those up for the audience and letting you parse through them in any way you choose to or, or walk away from it however yeah. you choose to also. But that's what I know could and might happen so far. And I haven't even started you know, pulling at any more threats, but those are things that I can see right as we're talking about it now. So as I'm looking at those 30 pages, am I looking at it the right way? No, you are. I think, I think you've done it, man. I mean, you, 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 you have to expect with any non-mainstream publication that anything could happen. And uh, I could give you the, Hey, you just have to read it, man. And like, Hey, watch this. No, I look at, you know, this is, yeah, this is, it's, it's, it it might not end that well. You see, you know, Um, right. You know, Hey, you never know. Right. So, (laughs) but you know, it's an indie comic and, you know, if it ends really well and everybody lives happily ever after, um, then maybe that might not necessarily be what uh, people are really going to enjoy. And, and maybe it's the fun challenge to find out that that does. Or maybe things end up happily ever after, but not from an ever, everly, hap, hap, ever happily ever after point of view from mainstream society. Maybe your reader's going to look and go, you know what? That's exactly how it should have ended, you know. That's that's the way, not the way everybody tells me it should end. 
This ends right. the way I, that's, that's, or that's the way it probably would end anyway. I don't know, you know, but I, I again, I, I think that um, we, 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 we do, uh, I will deplore you to read the last 30 pages because even the, even the anti-word comic purists who um, love, love to vent their spleen sometimes at the num- amount of dialogue that they need to get to because they couldn't read it all at one sitting before dinner, they you almost unanimously turn around and say, wow, that's a great little twist at the end. I got to the end and I was like, oh, that's quite cool, right? So I even those guys and those people uh, said that. So, oh, yeah, spoiler alert, that is. So, yeah, anyway. Right. So I'm, and I'm, quite, I'm quite happy with that. I think, I think with the way, the way we closed it down with the characters, um, I feel that we've got some good motivations from all the characters that are kind of, you know, they're doing what they want to do. Uh, I'm pretty ha- re- quite happy with that as well. Um, and I'm really pleased that you've picked out that about Tucker, about he's not just sort of a baseless sort of villain. There, there is some, there, there, there is some thought that went into who he is. He's not just sort of one dimensional um, misogynist bad guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think it'll be, it'll be worth the last 30 pages. And I can also promise that there's less words and it moves a lot quicker too. <laughs> it really does. It starts reading a little bit more like a normal comic though, Seth. So uh, everybody just get past a hundred, what are you on 112? Get past 112. 112. Yeah. <laughs> and then you finally get that comic experience you're looking for. <laughs> so I'm right on the precipice, you're telling me, like the summit's in view, Way! I have no idea. <laughs> well, well you've, you've, seen, you've seen the new cover. Yes, you've seen the new cover. Yes. Yeah. And what's what happens on the new cover? He's running. They're running away from a Google-looking headquarters mobile operator, perhaps. And there's a big explosion. It's about to. That's get not. <laughs> that's not quite happened yet. So nope. You know, from there you'll see. And so yes, you're you're maybe like you're a little it. bit better at predicting this. So yeah. Potentially, you know, I also get a little hint of a Fight Club in that reference there. You know, the idea of standing on top and looking at all the credit institutions exploding and burning down and just let's just tear it all down and, you know, revert us back. So that, that was something that I was noticing from that cover idea where I instantly was like, why do I hear the pixies? Where is my mind right now? You know, and Tyler Durden's got half the head blown out and, and he's watching the explode. You know what I mean? So that's what that actually led for me. So that was another possibility until you mentioned the cover. I was like, yeah, the cover, that's right. With the explosions yeah. and the, that's right. And that's where I was thinking Fight Club at that time. So that's another one. I had this sort of like Fight Club feeling you, like there's going to yeah, be a conflict that's a great, of- uh, That's a great movie. I love that movie. <laughs> right? Lovely <laughs> reference. Totally. You know, I was already sucked into him because of Invisible Monsters, which somebody had turned me into. And then after that, yeah, I, I got sucked in for a little while where, uh, yeah, a Chuck whose last name I'm always sure I'm saying incorrectly, Palmer, yeah, Palmer yeah, whatever, no, I give up. Yeah, no, I accept even, it. <laughs> yeah that's it he's uh there's nothing wrong there's nothing wrong with him there's nothing wrong with that book there's nothing wrong nope. with that movie. um i think you know it's it honestly it just opens up all the eyes and he's way ahead of his time that's all i can say because now yeah. i think we're all doing it right um you know again it's yeah it's 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 the cancel culture it's the political rec- political correctness um i'm i'm really interested to see you know, again, I just started started doing a little bit of sort of media push on this, um, and we're 
you know, I'd be interested in what some of the mainstream people come back and, and whether they're put off by the misogynist, by, you know, yeah, very stereotypical, very, you know, very not politically correct things happening, but also not politically correct characters um, doing things that, you know, I guess even, as I said, 15 years ago would be kind of bad, but there's lots of action, but there's this mobile thing happening. And I think maybe more people are going, well, you've got some really strong, nasty people here doing some nasty things, you know, and, and, and maybe that's ramped up a bit. So I'll be interested to see if I get in a lot of trouble for some of these things. I'm, I hope you, I hope well, we get I in think, lots of trouble. <laughs> I mean, hey, who doesn't like trouble, right? Like if they're talking about no, no press is bad press. But at the same time, it, it's not like you're exposing something that doesn't exist. In fact, I'm fairly certain there's a reason why unpopular characters most recently in like television shows and things like that. Um, trying to mute every once in a while when I think I hear a door closing, I might click the mute button for a second and pause my speech for a dramatic, you know, effect. Uh, so there's this, I, you know, idea that you, I could think of a couple of shows and I don't even have to name them, but it's pretty easy to think about characters that have become popular in, in books and television who... Yeah they're not good people they're not doing good things but they are compelling because they do show us that we deal with these people all the time in, in the subway um in any public interaction where somebody is clearly like you're trash and i'm gonna treat you that way because i think i'm better than you and and that's your like interaction with somebody for a minute it's like that just happened. I was having a great day. Like I was enjoying my coffee and somebody just like trashed on my life. And Tucker is, is consistently like trashing people's lives, you know, like, so yeah, he's not a great guy, but at the same time, he's that guy that's going to be a jerk to you in public. Yeah. And he's going to do it because he's used to doing it. And you're so stunned. You're like, is this really happening? Is anybody else seeing this? And he's too busy just moving along. Like I burned you. I'm out of here. Yeah. So I was curious too about your team, you know, when you bring this idea. So once you get noticed for this uh, project that you've dusted off, uh, for anybody listening, I'm, I'm doing a hand dusting off motion. Uh, <laughs> but you, you yeah. dusted it off and you bring it to these creators. You're, you're talking about someone who's worked with some legendary names. You're bringing him this idea. You're bringing the idea to the other people that are gonna help you, you know, put this yeah. into uh, a, a new packaging and just sort of like set it up for a new audience and, and reintroduce yeah. it again. What was it like, you know, just sort of bringing this to them and, and having those conversations? Any insights you want to share? Any, like, they all went, hey, nice job, or, hey, I can't sleep at night when I read your stuff, or, you know, yeah, <laughs> any yeah, sort of no, responses no, no, like that? Yeah, I, I think I think that, uh, no, I, I did. I, I, I had a, a couple of good, chat, good chats. I mean, you, you know, I, I think um, I think what I would say is I probably, you know, I, I, I wanted to get it out be only because initially is because uh, somebody kind of reawoken me a little bit to what was going on. And it's not something that I always kind of carry around in my sort of, you know, laptop bag and I've got, Oh, there it is. And Oh, you know, wh when is this thing going to have another run? It, it, it is a question of timing. Right. And, right. and maybe that's the marketing side of the little, big nose here has got a bit of a smell for the market saying oh well there might be a bit of an opportunity here and i'm like oh, i'm sitting on something that might be quite interesting um but mo first and foremost is I, I really genuinely love to have the second chance for people to read this i'm not gonna lie you know i i, 
I'm just sitting here watching you and you're, you're telling me, well, then they're doing this and then they're doing that. And you're talking about the characters and, and, and everything. And it's like the smile is ear to ear. I mean, you can see it <laughs> in my face and as my eyes light up and I, the, the, I genuinely believe that, you know, I, again, I am in a situation where I have accepted the fact that my, my life is my day job, right? I'm not the guy that's going to give up my day job and do comics all the time. Um, but, but, you know, so I feel rather kind of comfortable, right? Where I'm not tying my passion to my livelihood or, you know, I'm going to, you know, these sorts of things, right? So I have the luxury of being able to say, let's get it out and let's get people to read it. And, you know, I, I'd like to get copies shifted and it'd be great if it was hot and it just ticked all the boxes and everything else, because that would be great. It just meant more people are reading this, this, this graphic novel. Um, and, and I'm, I genuinely, and I genuinely say this and we're sending out review copies. It's like, here's a review copy. Um, the print version is pretty good. And I'm going to get you one as well, Seth. And, you know, it really kind of flicked through it and, you know, it's very really, cool, really you good. Mean. You'll love it. If you want to review it, great. But if you don't want to review it, if, if you just come back to me and told me you read it and you, you know, even if you didn't like it, uh, I don't care. Just you read it. It's like, wow. you know, it's just really, uh, honestly, I just, yeah, it's great. And, and it, it is an honor. I'm not going to lie to you. It's an absolute honor. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not, you know, I'm not a writer who's working for one of the big comic companies where it's their job and they have to come up with stuff. And it's really, it gen, genuinely is an honor to have people to read your stuff. And um, that's why I love, as I said, seeing people is like, oh, what's Kickstarter doing to the comics market? What what are what are these manga, you know, webtoon communities doing to the comic book? I'm like, I'm, I love all that. I love it. Oh my god, beautiful. I mean, it's, it's more is better, good. right? <laughs> Old codgers, man, stop whinging, man. You know, it's like comics is booming. It's better. It's bigger than it ever was. Okay, most of it seems to be Japanese and manga and whatnot, but. It's not gone anywhere. It's absolutely massive, you know. And it's just the distributors of comics are the ones that are gouging people and trying to charge you six six bucks for an issue every, you know. And you know, there's too many people who are trying to get a piece, and the poor the poor people who are working, you know, hours and hours and hours on trying to 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 write and illustrate. You know, they're at the end of the line, unfortunately, which is it stinks, you know. But I don't even go down that path. But it is, it really is for me. I have the opportunity to say it's a luxury, it's an honor for people to read my book. So I genuinely believe that. Well, it's been a it's been a treat to read it. It's been a pleasure to, you know, go through and experience these characters and and having this conversation. This is the whole reason I kept you know, when I started the podcast, it was to capture some stuff that was going on that I didn't know how to explain it. But then afterwards it was like, okay, so what's going to be the reason I keep this going? And every time I met another creator and the instinct was just sort of like, tell me about your story. Like, like if I, if I was in a workshop with you in a creative writing class, like, yes, I, I took creative writing. That was my degree from San Francisco state university. You know, I went on and got my MFA. Like, yeah, I, I still chase the thing. Um, I still send out novel pitches four to six times a week, you know, to maybe four to six people. Like it's the thing, you know, but, you, you, you get there, you know, you're working at it. It's, it's part of the life. I've written a couple of little comic scripts, nothing big, just some fun, you know, kid stuff. Uh, actually, I might have something on your side of the pond soon, which I'd love to share with you at some point and, awesome. and talk yeah, about. That'll, that's yeah, that's really, really good. But, 
but the passion for it is, is the excitement and, and the idea of if you love great characters and you love talking about great characters, that's that's where I've really like found my reason to keep recording each episode because every time I have a chat with somebody about it, A, I discover something new about process. B, I get greater insight to characters and to stories. I get exposed to stories I might not have come across otherwise. And also in these conversations, yeah. there's that understanding for anybody who's listening that what we're talking about is so much of what they're facing if they're a writer or creator of any kind. Like, why do you do it? 100%. Why do you feel that there's a reason 100%. to even, you know, those Kickstarter guys you're talking about? Exactly. Like, where's their threat to the market when they're not making a tenth of what they're getting, you know, returned for the work they put into, but they believe yeah. in it, they yeah. love it. Um, and through that, they're pushing yeah. the medium, they're challenging it, they're making it grow and expand. Uh, yeah, man, that's where the fun comes in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I genuinely believe that. I totally think. And, and actually, yeah, you, you go look at yourself and go, you know, uh, if I don't do this. And that brings us to the end of this amazing interview with TJ Behe, as we talked about contraband and so very much more. I finished the book. Thought the ending was amazing, and I'm curious to hear what you think because it's available now. Look to the liner notes where I include all the ways that you can find it. And, of course, get in touch with TJ, have a great conversation, uh, pepper him with all the questions. Because even if you don't read the book, he did leave you with some interesting things to consider. I know I sure am, for starters. Was I really a ninja when it came to this interview? Two, is there a direct comparison between The Big Short and Contraband. If you've read the book, I'd love to know. And finally, just how far into the future horizon was he able to see and how much of what's in Contraband could still be waiting to come true? I thought it was a great conversation and I loved all the directions it went, which is why I'm really excited for the opportunity to have TJ Behe back on here where we can talk about Contraband and so much more. So, in the meantime, you know all the ways to keep up if you want to catch more great episodes and interviews like this. And please, send me a message if you have questions, thoughts, or more importantly, a story you think should be here on Storytelling with Seth. Until next time.